Hello, Craig, and hello, listeners. Welcome to the Broom Radio. Um, this is the Sharia Way Book Club featuring <laughs> featuring Hazrat Inyad Khan's Mysticism of Sound and Music. And today we're focusing on Chapter 6, The Mystery of Color and Sound. The read aloud has already been posted and shared, so we've already kind of taken care of that part. And today I'm holding space for a bit of exegesis and um, dissemination of this chapter. Um, before we started recording this container, um, this container was fluffed and primed with um, uh, an informal dikif circle where we invoked the divine names. And so now that we're kind of in this kind of, I would say like consecrated container, I feel like it's um, a very, very primed space to pick up and discuss what parts of chapter six stood out to us. And so I'd just like to welcome anyone who's here or listening asynchronously to hi, um, to skim or scan any portion of chapter six that really spoke to you really stood out to you was a cause for pause and i'd like to elevate any of your any of your own breakdowns so that we can discuss it um together and thank y'all for being here i appreciate it Yes, thanks for asking. I was like, I think I'll start this off. Chapter six was really interesting to me. Um, ooh, in a couple of different ways. I actually have a few spaces that I highlighted, but I think um, I kind of want to just speak to like um, the framework being presented in chapter six in some parts where um, there seems to be this presentation, and this could just be me focusing on Hazrat and Yat Al Khan's like narrative style, but it seems to be like the writer he like or the speaker presents these affects of like color and sound and how people interact with them in the mundane way and how we um kind of like how humans have this propensity to qualify things by the texture of the sound or the texture of their colors and how we also have an affinity to different colors. Um, and so before I kind of like, because I also noticed that he sets up this like mystical lens to this interpretation that the mystic has when it comes to sound and color and understanding those in mundane, mundane kind of ways, but it feels like a little bit of a dichotomy and I kind of want to present that first and see if we can see ourselves in what he's saying or maybe not. Um, I also noticed that he um, or the speaker really, um, what was it that he said this? Oh, yeah. And then he also introduces um, how color and sound are indicative of like a larger movement of of 
energies, I guess you could say, is or is how I interpreted it. And that for me is like, it's been really helpful reading the text to see that he's kind of positioning two different worldviews in each chapter. And they're kind of swimming with each other in this like similar currents. And for me, when he speaks to the mystical lens, um, it gets really zoomed in. He gets really like specific. So um, yeah, I wonder if anyone else has any summaries of what they read as well. having a hard time finding the words, so I guess I'll take a step at just talking and hopefully it comes out in the rambles. Um, but there's a, I can share a picture later too, but I, I think at a high level, I really like what he's saying, or at least what I felt he was saying about sort of like, kind of like what you're talking about, like not getting caught up in the distinctions too much of like how all these colors, all these sounds mm-hmm. are making up everything or making up us. They come in for different times and different seasons in our lives, like not getting caught up, like that whole section about like people getting caught up with this is their color or this is their number or this is their day, et cetera, et cetera. This idea of like, there's this rich tapestry that we can tap into if we allow ourselves to sort of be moved by the sound. Mm -hmm. That's, I guess, all I'm having that's coming out right now. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, thanks for bringing our attention to that, Adam. Um, I can't remember the paragraph placing either, but I do remember reading that. And um, yeah, I just like to hold space for anyone in the container to reflect out loud when it comes to that portion of the text. Oh, thanks for the screenshot, Adam. Adam's put a screenshot in the chat. I'm going to read this out loud. Very often, man gives great importance to color and tone, so much so that he forgets that which is behind them, and that leads him to many superstitions, fancies, and imaginations. Many people have folded the simple ones, ooh, fooled the simple ones by telling them what color belonged to their souls or what note belonged to their lives. Man is so ready to respond to anything that can puzzle him and confuse his mind. He is so willing to be fooled. He enjoys it so much if somebody tells him that his color is yellow or green or that his note is C, D, or F on the piano. He does not care, or she does not care to find out why. It is like telling somebody Wednesday is your day and Tuesday is some some other person's. In point of fact, all days are ours, all colors are ours. It is man who is the master of all manifestation. It is for woman that <laughs> to use all colors and tones. They are at her disposal and for her to use and make the best use of it or best of. It would be a great pity if we were subjected to one color and tone. There would be no life in this. It would be a form of death. The staircase is made for us to ascend, not for us to continue stepping in one place. Every step is our step, if only we take it.
Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, I feel like there's, I'm really, really, really happy that this is being brought up because I think it speaks to the folly of identification. Yeah, some people in the chat, uh, Tiff says, I feel like this is also mainstream astrology. Nobu says, yup, yup. Adam says an Enneagram and human design and, and, and LOL. <laughs> we got to get him, get him in the chat. Yes. Yes, the I am a Taoist. I am a Muslim. Did y'all hear me struggling earlier before I recorded? I was like, when I was, when I, uh, like I was struggling with even saying the sentence, like I am a Muslim because I'm like, yeah like okay <laughs> like and if i identify with it what is that what does that do for me you know or does it do anything for me or does it just take up more space from what is occurring which is like this constant unfolding of of isness which feels elusive but obviously it does when you put it in the same container of of strenuous um identity or like identity form yes please do nobu i started saying in the chat that i feel like it's really clean to do this via music and color like if you i mean speaking from experience we just come up to like how people identify with their sun sign or their ascendant or their natal moon placement then like you know i think people get pretty like triggered <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like we talk about like, oh, like imagine if you're only allowed to speak in like C or something, you'd be like mm -hmm. monotonous, right? It just seems like plainly ridiculous. Or if you only wore one color every day, like Mark Zuckerberg, then <laughs> people would think you're ridiculous. But I right. think, um, yeah, I think. Uh, if you're ready to extrapolate what he's saying to other forms of identification, or, you know, like we're talking about religion, but even if people were just like, I have ADHD, or, you know, like that's okay, like that's accurate, maybe. But if you are like, I am bipolar, mm -hmm. then, you know, I feel like that's the level of identification, which is perhaps even more insidious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you get into the realm of like pathologizing the self, like the ever unfolding self. Um, and like to say the absolute least, people get stuck there, you know? Like it makes me think of how like when people do ask me what my like sign is, like just speaking to like tropical astrology, for example, but this I think could work with any example that's being um presented like I cringe a little bit like I cringe like or I feel like I need to like wash something off of myself and I'm like yeah I'm a Scorpio it's like what else is there you know or what else could be there or el what else wants to be there instead of just this identity box or this box that I can put myself in to like fit in with other people or fit in with the mainstream thoughts of of what it means to be a Scorpio um and that's just, yeah, like just one example. I 
I also feel like it's worth saying again, like with the musical analogy, it's like knowing that there is an affect on my field based on the fact that I was born when Pluto was at the midheaven for me also doesn't mean that I avoid being Pluto at the midheaven like, right? Right, right. Like you don't stop playing C, you just don't speak C the whole oh. time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, there's like more range when it's like, yeah, different polarity of attachment. Definitely. Thank you for saying that. I agree. Yeah, and I think that's like the difference for me when I'm like, this is a lens. Like a lens is like a window that I'm looking at in a museum or through um, in a win in a museum of other windows or lenses that help me perceive reality. Whereas a box, you know, or an identity form or a concept of oneself is like, to me, I don't know. What is, how does that feel? I mean, I know how it feels to me, but how, I'm kind of curious how it feels to y'all. And maybe like to kind of borrow off of a little bit what Nobu said, like, how does sound and music allow you to crescendo up and through the range of yourself in a way that um, strenuous identities can't, if that makes sense. And I can, I can reframe the question in a different way as well. But I guess, yeah, what I'm asking is like, what does music and sound accomplish that concepts can't? Dancing, yeah. <laughs> Nobu says, let me put on Carl Young. Well, let me put Carl Young on and groove. <laughs> let me know how that goes. <laughs> Carl Young's hips don't lie. Tiff says, I think sound is so fleeting in the moment. So it's always moving and doesn't always fit in a box to be analyzed outside the moment. Definitely, man. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yes. Yes. I agree. Like when you share a song with somebody or like, even when you're like jamming with yourself, I feel like there's this place that just to kind of reflect what Tiff said a little bit more, there's a place for me that like music can take me like in the depths of my soul that like astrology just can't. Adam says, I love how this question brings up much for me. None of, not none of it. I can find words for right now. Take your time. Take your time. I feel like that's probably because we're in a very liminal space. But yeah, I was about. I thought you were gonna like say the same thing I was about to say, but but it's like I think everyone's had that sensation where it's like you have this song that's been stuck in your head for a while, and then you like hop into your homie's car, 
and you're like, okay, I'm going to put this song, and then it's just like a different context, right? It's like a different yeah. container. And mm-hmm. I feel like it really brings home like that feeling of every context calling for a different sort of melody, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I like how you put that, like every context calls for a different melody, definitely. Yeah, and like even like in the context of like playing music with your friends, like if you and your friends are like going to hang out at the park and like have a picnic, um, the vibe, the music for that kind of outing might be different. Whereas if you guys are like getting ready to go to a bar and like to somebody's like kickback, the music might be different, but it's always the medium. Even if the context, as as the context changes, not even if, the context will change, definitely. But music kind of has that staying power that can braid itself throughout context without having to anchor or sort of build up expectations of what that context should be or ought to be. Um, and so it's really powerful in that respect. It also, music has this like um, ability to draw out the perfume of our memories. Um, I think in the same way that sound does, like if I say a certain thing, um, you know, and I think it works in the context when people are like, I'm triggered, but then there's also this other part where like this other side of that, where like earlier, like Tiff had um, mentioned the tavern, for example, and it just literally brought me to this place in my memory that was a shared space among five or six different people and it just like I couldn't do that if I was like oh I was just a member of that discord or like I was just a member of this you know if I tried to go at that memory from the identity context I would really struggle but if I look at it from the context of like sound and shared space and uh co-creating moments I think that the medium of sound and music and color can, uh, yeah, size saying like time machine can like help you surf through time in a very, I think, grounded and anchored way. <laughs> yeah, some chats happening in the chat. I'm just going to read through it really quick. Nobu's comments reminded me of those experiences of listening to the right album at just the right time and how that experience just washes over you completely. That intoxication mentioned earlier, Adam says. Thank you for saying that, Adam. Yeah. Tiff says, I rarely volunteer for the aux duties because a lot of the times the songs I listen to on my own are not bangers in a group setting. Same. I'm always like liable to kill the vibe. Sai says, yes, music feels like a time machine. I agree. Thank you for saying that, Sai. Moyugi says another quote I'll be using. Nobu says, oh, Radiohead's Creep wasn't the vibe? Okay. (laughs) Oyugi says, in group settings, most of the times, I don't always like what others are playing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think it's only fair to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, there are moments where I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> Why are we listening to this? You all right? Do you want to talk about something? But I feel like, yeah, then that music again is a medium for stuff that, you know, otherwise could it be communicated, I, I think is the gist of it. But yeah, I'd like to, yeah, kind of turn the mic over to y'all if there are any parts of the text um, that kind of speak to what we're speaking to or just really brought up something for you as you were reading. I welcome y'all to either type or unmute. I was going to be like, this is the container where I don't talk very much, but I'm also not playing. I'm not not playing Pluto MC. Um, <laughs> but the part I want to read out is, um, open quote, ether, close quote, is not ether in scientific terms. It is capacity. Open quote, water, close quote, is not water as we understand it in everyday language. It is liquidity. Open quote, fire, close quote, is understood differently. It means glow, or heat, or dryness, or radiance. All that is living. All these words suggest something more than what is meant by earth, fire, water, etc. I love that part. I was trying to find it in my text, but... That's a bar, yeah. What does that uh, evoke for y'all? And for anyone who has the physical copy of the text, I think this section is, yeah, it's on page 36. Adam says, the majesty of what's behind everything. Mm -hmm. It also reminds me of how um, there was this point in my journey a couple years ago where I was working with the elements, you know, fire, water, earth, air, um, ether, respectively. And I remember like having this notion come to me that even the elements have primordial ancestors. And I was kind of shown this like map of how um, different combinations of elemental marriages, let's say, are what are what like kind of precipitated fire as we know it on this um, physical uh, physical realm as water as we know it on this physical material plane air and so forth and so on um and i remember just being like wait a minute like the elements even have ancestors and i wonder if that aligns with what you guys are kind of getting from this paragraph at all yes oh thanks for remembering nobu yeah One thing that Nobu says, one thing that stuck with me was electricity as the ancestor of fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember it was like electricity as the ancestor of fire. 
plasma as the ancestor of water, um, cosmic wind as the ancestor of air, and um, meteors or like cosmic terrain being the ancestor of earth um, was how I understood it. And I probably could evolve that a little bit, but it feels like it still aligns. Um, but yeah, I would kind of want to just put that into the container and see how that coalesces with this, um, this section. Ashe. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, I feel like there's so many places we could go from this level of vastness, but, um, I guess like what you were saying about ancestors of um elemental energies reminds me of just the idea of like densities of perception or like universes within universes or like the matryoshka view of reality um and i feel like i mean for me the text alludes at this when uh, earlier in the earlier chapters where he's talking about like all of the different stories from different wisdom lineages where like let's say god saying let there be light or the idea of like nada brahma as the as like the primordial god of sound and the creator mm -hmm. yeah it seems like it's a theme in the text for sure yeah I really love what you said about densities of perception because, yeah, if, it definitely feels that way. I wonder if if anyone else is picking up on that. I guess like to localize it in my body, something that comes up is how, you know, like the ideogram for qi or chi is said to be a depiction of steam rising off of rice. Mm. And it's like, yeah, you know, like steam tends to come off of rice when we cook it with fire, but we're not, we don't literally have like little fires in our body, which are digesting our food, right? So. You could almost say that, like, you know, if fire is, like, an elemental energy in our universe, then in the universe of our bodies, in the interior universe of our bodies, you might say that, you know, fire is the ancestor to, um, like, acid or something like that, which is breaking mm. the bonds of our releasing energy. Yeah. Wow. I really appreciate this like microcosmic lens that you kind of like are offering as well. Cause I think I was kind of going at it from like micro to macro and I feel like bringing it into the body is, I don't know, that's something not only like really relatable, but I do, I like that directionality of thinking and seeing things as well. Cause it's like, I didn't consider like acids and digestive fluids and how like they can be, I don't know why I want to say this, like an integer of fire 
and it's like raw um in its raw form or how it's externalized in the material plane I'm always thinking of things in like a family system. So I'm like, okay, if there are like ancestors and primordial ancestors, then there are probably like cousins and siblings of these elemental <laughs> identities. <laughs> or I shouldn't even say elemental identities. Um, elemental blueprints. This might be sort of unrelated, but I was just, recalling a story I read recently where it was at Shiva and Pravarti's wedding and Pravarti's father was all up in arms because Shiva's like he's like my daughter is marrying this man he has no ancestors like where does he who does he even come from he's got no people like like me you know or a different show sorry but he's like where who are his people like he has no ancestors and Garuda just starts playing an instrument to say like this is Shiva's ancestors sound are his ancestry. I'm over here snapping at him. Wow. Can you like delineate some more on that mic drop moment from Shiva? Praise be. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what more I can say. <laughs> I mean, it's just such an evoke. It's just such an evocative thing of <laughs> the king all up in arms. And Garuda just being like, here you go, dude. That's, that's where he comes from. He comes from sound itself. Mm -hmm. Need I say more? The groom's side is, is music. <laughs> the groom's side is music. Ashe. Ashe. And, and all the crazy uh, other beings <laughs> that showed up because <laughs> he kind of rolls with a strange crowd. <laughs> yes, I think I remember that from the story, too. It's like his his party of the wedding was like all these types of creatures but I think it points to in that story in particular in that context like his primordial primordial origins and how he's not removed from them and how he's like in touch with them so the notion of like ancestors and lineage might look different for him does look different for him Unintelligible beings. Nobu says, I shiva pilled I've shiva pilled my father and his girlfriend into making a shiver shiva altar at one of their gates. Ashe. I hope it's okay that I said that out loud. <laughs> if not, I will edit this out. <laughs> um Oyugi says Ashe. Ogi says, I met um, something about the great four dragons who created the elements. I'm trying to find the video I saw it in. Ooh, I would love to see that. I would love to see that. Yeah, because I, um, not only in my meditations, I've also read literature on how, like, the keepers of the wisdom in the elements um, is, is, like, dragon technology. Hang on one second, y'all. Hi! The mailman. Um, yes. So thank you for mentioning that, Oyugi. I would love to tune into that. Base Monster Tiff says Shiva was up in a ceremony being loud. <laughs> Ashe. Ashe. Yeah. 
Definitely. And same, Nobu. Nobu says, I love it when dragons are invoked as primordial representations of energy. And I do, that is, to me, a lot of the times the best way to sort of capture those streams of energy. Because I think dragons carry this prowess that is like never ending and unrelenting. And so it also, to me, mirrors the way that elements, the elements play with us in the material world you can go as far back as you want to or far forward as you want to in history there will always be fire water air and earth and ether oh i've heard of that ryan the last dragon is a great film bt dubs noted 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 thank you for sharing you cried oh shit i gotta scream that then Oh, <laughs> Adam says he did too. That's super sweet, y'all. That definitely makes me want to check it out. What was it about? If anyone feels like saying. <clears throat> I mean, that'd be great if Adam says, but I'd say Briar and the Lost Dragon is about a, a, a woman who is raised as a defender of, um, like, water or the spirit of the heart of the dragon. And I would say that the dragon represents the landmass, which I would mostly call like the Malaya Peninsula, like Southeast Asia. And um, <gasps> basically they talk about how the people of these different aspects of the landmass, which represent the heart, the claws, the tail, I believe, and the fangs, um, end up in conflict which splits up the body of the dragon and when the dragon the spirits of the dragon are not there to defend the people they end up being turned into statues which are like you know that you know they get turned into statues which are prostrate in positions of worship but i would say in in, in positions of worship towards the sun and not the spirits of the land Wow, that also sounds like, not to like go crazy, but I feel like that's, that has like a very huge puzzle piece of Earth's history in it, in the way that you laid that out. Yeah, in the way that like a lot of religions are like covert sun worship. Um, and yeah, and how a lot of traditions have forgotten um, the duty and the, the privilege of enchanting the land. Whoa, we should stream this. This is, oh, yeah. That's why the land smells like dude now. <laughs> Nothing but Axe body spray on Gaia. Oh my Gaia. <laughs> help us sky daddy please get better taste <laughs> axe fucking body spray yeah man <laughs> man officer spritz of agua de guio yes 
please. <laughs> Adam says, the only thing that I'll add is um, it's also a meditation on trust, both the tr dangers of it to dismember further and the power of it to unify. Wow. Yeah, I think that would be fun as a stream um, in the breathing room. I definitely would like to watch it. Maybe I'll post a vote on it later to synchronize times with people. Um, yeah, I want to kind of bring up one more thing about the text. Um, I think it's, um, the paragraph before the paragraph, um, that you read, Nobu. Ooh, Tiff shared something. Okay, let's play with that first, and then I'll share my section later. Tiff, do you want to read the section that you shared? And what you thought? Yeah, thank you. Hello. So uh, the section reads, question, what is the difference between sound and color? Answer, sound and color are one. They are two aspects of life. Life and light are one. Life is light and light is life. And so color is sound and sound is color. But where sound is color, it is most visible and least audible. And where color is sound, it is most audible and least visible. You can find the unity of color and sound by studying and practicing the science of the culture of breath. So that was, um, I think when, when he was talking about the like sound and color being one and like where they uh where they become each other it's like sound is most uh most visible when it when it's becoming color and vice versa for color becoming sound so that made me think about how like the light spectrum is all like it's all measured in like a certain certain things per second so like if time is constant then like the spectrum kind of crosses over where like light energy gets dark enough and the wavelengths get slow enough where like you're not I think light and sound are both measured in hertz I don't recall but like yeah light light gets slowed down enough it becomes like like audible sound that's like when you got when you got your electricity plugged in too much and it and your ears start ringing a little bit that happens to me sometimes um and like so similar like i think once once sound slows down from like vibrations to beats like that's that's another crossover but like then you can like feel it that's uh so now you got like touch comes into play so like that kind of crossover and then the another section he i mean same section but like next sentence or so um, when he was talking about, um, you can find the unity in like the breath and I think somewhere else in the section, in, in chapter six, he talks about how like people, people don't, people can't like comprehend hearing, hearing color or like seeing sound 
but because it's like that's like an outside description of things but like if you look from within it they're they all definitely mix and mash and so i was thinking like when we decided to do the the thicker circle we were kind of uh i was like okay well that's a chance to like look into it like uh put it in action so like i do thicker all the time but like this time i'm like listening from the inside to other people doing it and like uh like observing okay what is it what color what colors am i hearing or like how do i even perceive color and i noticed like if if you listen to any song or if you like remembering how a song goes well speaking for myself like my breath changes up if i'm like really trying to embody the song so i can remember it better because i'm not listening to it and like if listening was the only way Listening was the only way I heard it at the time, but I have to remember it from the inside. So, like, how does how do you practice the science and culture of breath? Like, he be dropping like the most interesting gems in passing, and like explaining stuff that I already understand in great detail. So, that one, that one, I, I was sitting with here and. I was wondering if anybody else uh, noticed anything about like the sounds or the colors or breathing stuff relations in that manner. Thank you. Yeah, I really love that that question, Sif, and how you formulated that. I feel like that was like a transmission. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold a little bit of space because I do I do have something to say, but I'll I'll hold space to see if anything stands out from that paragraph for anyone else as well. I think I was also equal to what he said. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and the culture of breath is also like a hanging. A hanging thing for me right now too so but yeah go on yeah i guess i really liked what it was saying about um light slowing down and becoming sound from color and then there was a little bit of discourse in the chat about i mean like what it got me thinking about was like okay like you know if we're talking about the the root of like the scale is say 432 hertz or 440 hertz if you play that um then like you know what's the frequency of like the rotation of earth and you know i, I did a little calculation i think it's correct 0.00001115 hertz and like the frequency of the earth going around the sun one whole time is 0.00000317 hertz and it just kind of got me feeling into like what the sound of like our solar system might be if that makes sense or how dark it might be <laughs> oh I love that question. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what I'm sitting with too. It's like, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Um, In the chat, Nobu says, also got me thinking about types of breath. Like daytime is an inhale and nighttime an exhale. Summer is an inhale. Winter is an exhale. Thank you for that framework. Mm -hmm. I was also extrapolating that same process onto the cosmos. And for some reason, I was like thinking about Earth as, yeah, as an experience of the culture of breath. And for some reason, the image of an eye blinking um, is what like matriculated for me as I thought about like how to calculate um, the cosmos or like the speed of or the rate of rotation in um, in the cosmos, which feels a little abstract, but it feels like it's speaking to like if we have the culture of breath in the container, it feels like the image relates to like the culture of perhaps light and sound. Um, which I also felt um, coming from like TIS transmission as well. Oyugi says this aligns sunrise is creation, sunset is giving and releasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also really like that in this passage, there's this, yeah, these geometries of light and life being one. Um, And then how sound is color as well. And how there's this range of most audible to least visual and vice versa, like least or like most visible to least audible. And I'm just kind of curious what that brings up for anyone, if anything. I see Adam is typing in the chat. Adam says, for some reason, that audible slash visual piece is making me think of how, quote, loud sight is in our sensory perceptions. Why closing your eyes brings so much in that, in that is drowned out by light. Mm. Think of how loud sight is in our sensory perceptions. Oh, yes. Yes. Like how images 
I, I feel that often or I'm like, I feel like certain images sometimes are like um, screaming <laughs> to me. Um, Nobu says it reminds me also of lineages that train in caves. Yeah. In the dark, so to speak. Yeah. Mm hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, Tiff says, I think about the amount of feeling that can be evoked when a song gets soft and quiet and is ma makes you radiate warmth in an invisible glow. Yes. Well, thank you for saying that. Nobu says it also reminds him of lineages that scream. Yes. I was actually thinking about that last night too, like siren lineages. Wailing lineages. <laughs> Nobu, um, oh, Oyugi, thank you for saying that. Um, Nobu also shared a tweet of this saying, silence is sacred and space is semantic. What? <laughs> Care to say more? <laughs> oh, I mean, I just felt called to say that a few days ago, and I, I guess like what Adam and Tiff were saying kind of feels it out a little bit, right? Like, silence is sacred because in some ways it opens us up to something that we don't get to see a lot of the time. Definitely. Yeah. Agreed. And it's like, it's interesting because all these notions of like impressions are like, are like, I don't know, because I'm being brought to the like mystical lens that I spoke to earlier that the speaker of this text, the writer of this text, however he'd like to be referred to, that is, um, often brings in the mystical lens as a way to sort of situate the reader um, into what I feel like are space times where people can sense into all these different nuances and textures that he's bringing in, like into the text. Um, and it does, it feels like the tweet is also like a summary of, of that and also speaks to and maybe Hazrat Inyakan is never going to say this in the text, or maybe he has already, but it does feel like there is a primordial reality that he's um, helping us wade through in a way. Um, and I think for me, it's not only just affirming, it's like really mm, applicable because I think people, like we have experiences with music and sound and color and light every single day so these are like parts of our human experience but it's also like he's saying like parts of our human experience are inherently mystical and i wonder how that um lands for y'all <laughs> it's interesting too because what i'm being um drawn to 
is like how this text is not called like sound and music, the mystical lens. It's all, it's like in the title that he's like proposing that this, like we're taking a walk into um, a mystical arena of life. And I like, I appreciate it obviously because I'm very woo, but there's also like, yeah, kind of like what Tiff said, um, context that's being filled out by reading this book that I like may understand instinctively, but having all these different um, examples and also having like these discussions, I think brings this text to life in a way that maybe couldn't be accomplished if I was like just reading it by myself or like um, in my room, you know? Mm, yes, the group exegesis is very juiced in my opinion. Adam says, yes, I like how this chapter is titled The Mystery of to facilitate that process. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like this is the area that we'll be walking down right now. So I appreciate that. Oyugi asks or says, I would like to hear your thoughts on synesthesia or synesthesia. Ooh. I have actually not that many thoughts on it. Nobu says, LOL, frequency plus phase shifting. Same with clear senses. Mm. So like synesthesia to you is like frequency and phase shifting? Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I experience synesthesia like when my sense of self can be distilled to being part of like the greater whole and when that veil drops um i experience this kind of like how we were speaking to earlier how like there's these primordial um threads that are connected to the elements as we understand them and um i'll experience synesthesia when that the veil is kind of pulled away and i can see or experience or sense even smell or even taste um the what do i call this the like the place where these um primordial energies meet yes um nobu says like when frank ocean sings with himself by pitch shifting one part of the, of the parts of a couple octaves higher Yes. There's also some singers who can do that at the same time, like Lala Hathaway, which is like every time she does it, I'm like, I just, it's, I'm like in awe. Like her voice does it naturally, Donnie Hathaway's daughter. And I get, I literally am verklempt just thinking about it because I'm like, this, it's amazing um, what the human voice can do. Thank you for reflecting, Adam. Oyugi says, I experienced it while listening to ASAP Rocky's testing for the first time. What was that like? For you, Oyugi. 
Ayuki says it was a beautiful experience. It was like I was in a in a park and the music was alive. Ooh, thank you for saying that. Ashe. Yeah, that happens to me sometimes too when I'm dancing or I'm like I feel like I can almost predict what the next beat will be or the next like crescendo and i'm like wow like i'm sound right now like i'm embodying um sound kind of like what tiff said earlier like when i really get into it when i step into that fold magic really happens I want to read one more part of this text to situate us because the next chapter is the spiritual significance. Chapter seven is the spiritual significance of color and sound. And I feel like he's kind of foreshadowing that in one of the paragraphs I highlighted. Give me a second. Let me find it. Oh, yes. <clears throat> um, so it's on page 36. It's the second paragraph. And... <laughs> oh, Yugi, I love that question. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read it out loud. Oh, Yugi says, off topic a bit, has anyone ever experienced an orgasm with music? What a fucking amazing question. From Jess Music, and it was, says, no, while listening to music, duh. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, how do I want to answer this? I'd say yes. It was not um, a lower chakra-like experience, but like a higher chakra experience. Eargasms only, yes. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had like, I guess like in the sense that I've listened to music and I've cried and it may have released the same sort of um, chemical subset of, you know, whatever hormones get released is what I want to say. But yeah, it definitely was like almost a synaptical experience as opposed to like a lower shocker, like now I need a good smoke kind of experience, which is, I mean, listen, if you have that experience, keep that, like keep that locked in your Akash because you're going to need it. <laughs> and you might want to teach some classes on it. <laughs> oh, he says, I did with Absol's control system. Ooh, that's good fucking album. In retrospect, I was high. Yes. Yes. I was going to ask that too. Do you guys, um, maybe I'll share this paragraph for next book club, but do you guys ever experience the feeling of like being lifted? 
while listening to music or maybe even like a certain comp like because mm, i also want to see how this like works with color like do you guys ever experience that with like it like wearing certain outfits um or like yeah like evoking certain colors through your outfits <laughs> Sai says, yeah. Nova says the, <laughs> the mysticism of indica and sativa. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I really would love to have actually um, a smoke session container in the Sharia way. I'm just going on record and saying that out loud. Yes. Uh, Tiff says, oh, wait, no, Adam says, not lifted per se, but a lightness, Ashe. Tiff says, um, yeah, I've caught a sudden overwhelming sensation, but it started from a different location in my body, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, definitely. Sai says, Li Wang, Li Wang, oh, whoa, hold on, <laughs> Li Wang, Wanski's music does it for me, Ashe. Adam says, um, heck yes. Tiff says being high is an important setting for some music to really slap. I agree. <laughs> They're French. Okay, I was going to say, Sai, you're going to have to drop that. I'd love to hear. So I'm going to save the paragraph that I had in mind. Um, I might just meditate on it some more and see if I can fold it into next week's uh, discussion. Um, wow, the next couple of chapters, y'all, are really good. There's chapter eight is about the ancient music. Um, chapter seven, as I said earlier, is about the spiritual significance of color and sound. We even have chapter nine, the divinity of Indian music. So I'm really excited about these winding ways that we're going to take next. I think for next week, we'll read chapter seven and eight. Um, and also next week, um, we'll be reading the text, having a little bit of like an exegesis pregame. And, um, and then we'll also be holding this container, which is like the Saturday um, book club container. So if you guys can make it on Wednesday, I think I would really appreciate that. It'd be fun to read the text together. If not, I'll record that as well. Um, that way you can kind of read it or listen to it read and join this uh, next week's Saturday book club container, like primed and ready. But, yo, this container was so lit, you guys. Um, I really appreciate you guys just kind of mind mapping and like somatic somatically mapping the contents of of this book i'll also say the first couple chapters were not giving but as we dive deeper into this text and we're kind of getting more comfortable with the context at least for me that hazra inya khan uh, sets up for us this text is proving to be a really really great choice so again i want to thank y'all for just reading this text and going along this journey with me um, yeah, and I go I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Uh take care everyone. Bye.